Welcome into Straight Up Sports. I am your host, Devin Albertson. And usually on this podcast, it's either Missouri, eight-man football, the NFL, mainly the Chiefs, maybe some Division II football. But now we're going to do some Division II basketball talk as the men's lead eight is this Wednesday with the first game tipping off at noon. And I did a deep dive on these eight teams that are here um, in Evansville, Indiana, in the four games that we have here on Wednesday and kind of Went through the games, looked at some players to watch for each team, some keys to the game, just something to kind of look for. I know a lot of these teams, you don't get to see a whole lot of them throughout the year. I only got to watch a few of them in certain spurts, so I have a little bit of knowledge on each one of these teams. Of course, I have the most knowledge about Northwest Missouri State and uh, the two seed in the Salida. They're a very good basketball team that I got to cover for a while. Uh, know some of the kids on the team, they're very good, but... Many of you guys who are listening to this will already know about Northwest, so I probably won't go as deep on the Bearcats, um, maybe get a little more into the other seven teams. As we start out with, look at the first of the matchups here, the seeding for this. It's West Texas A&M as the one seed, Northwest Missouri State the two seed, Flagler as the three, uh, Lincoln Memorial as the four, Colorado School of Mines as the five seed, Truman State as the six seed, West Liberty at seven, and Damon as the eight seed. And I'll go in these games in order of when they're going to be played there on Wednesday. So the first game, which will be a noon central tip-off, is Lincoln Memorial versus Colorado Mines. The 4-5 matchup should be a really good game in this one. And a game that early on, when I was first looking at these matchups and kind of talking to people, I'd seen both these teams kind of play, and I was kind of leaning towards Colorado Mines. I even said on a podcast with John Dykstra for the Maryville Daily Forum that I liked Mines a little bit in the matchup. Uh, just, I thought them defensively was going to be enough. But Lincoln Memorial, they got some dudes on their team. Um, highlighting four guys here for the rail splitters. First of all, this is the best mascot matchup. You have the Lincoln Memorial rail splitters versus the Colorado School of Mines or diggers. Great matchup name-wise. Um, so first with Lincoln Memorial, Devin Whitfield, Cameron Henry, Jordan Guest, and Xavier Bledson. Uh, first, Whitfield, he's a 6'5 guard, averages 19 points, about five rebounds per game. Shoots about 56% from the field, 42% from three, and about 74% from the free throw line. He was first team all-conference last two years in the South Atlantic Conference. Uh, very good player there for him, a 6'5 guard. And then Cameron Henry, he's number 35 whenever you watch them. Um, he's a 6'6 guard, averages about 15 points, six rebounds, another four assists and a couple of steals per game, even the most all-around uh, player there for him. In 2019, he was the SAC freshman, all-freshman team, 2020 second-team all-conference, and the defensive player of the year. And this past year, he was second-team all-conference again. He shoots 52% from the field, 35 from three. It's so not a great three-point shooter, a solid shooter from the outside, and about 66% from the free-throw line. Um, up next, Jordan Guest will be number 32. He's a 6'9 forward, um, averages 14 points and seven rebounds per game. He's a transfer. Um, he was at Boston University in 2018-19 and then Tallahassee Community College in 1920. Um, he shoots about 49% from the field, but 45% from three, 77% from the free, th- free throw line. He's a big man, but he can shoot. He's a good touch from the outside, really spaces the floor there for the rail splitters. And then Bledson, 6'6", guard slash forward, um, averages about 10 points, 4.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists per game. Kind of the distributor for the ball club there for him. Really good player. Uh, shoots 59% from the field. Doesn't shoot a whole lot, but he's efficient when he does shoot. 
43% from three-point line and nearly 90% from the free-throw line. Uh, they're a very, very athletic ball club there as Lincoln Memorial. They're going to get up and down the floor. They want to get up and use their athletes in space. They like to press a little bit. Uh, we'll get some of their raw numbers here look for their team. But Lincoln Memorial, they're a team that coming off the bus is going to look at the best team in the nation in the Division II tournament. They just have dudes everywhere there for the rail splitters. Um, then the Colorado Mines, I got two guys here to um, kind of highlight for them. First, Brendan Sullivan and then Kobe Betts. Uh, Sullivan, 6'6", wing for him, um, averaged 18 points, four rebounds, and a steal and a half per game. He was the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference Player of the Year and two-time first-team All-RMAC there as well. She's 55% from the field, 41 from three, and 78% from the free throw line. He's a very good player, very smooth athlete. And Colorado Mines also with Betts. So Sullivan's number five, Betts is number four. Betts, 6'3", guard, averaged about 12.5 points per game. Uh, first team all conference this year as well. 45% from the field, actually 46% from three and 80% from their free throw line. Colorado Mines, they don't score a whole lot of points. You look at the pace of play, which is one of my big key points for this one. Uh, Lincoln Memorial, they average almost 93 points per game, which is second in the lead eights. 33 field goals made per game, which is second in the lead eight, and make 12 three pointers per game, which is the best um, in the lead eight teams. Colorado Mines, they averaged 75 points per game, just under 76, which is last in the Elite Eight. Last in field goals made with 27 made per game, and they're last in three-point field goals made at 6.3. So they're a team not going to shoot a whole bunch of threes. Uh, they're going to grind it out and just play really good defense and kind of muddy the game down a little bit and just try to outwork you in the half-court kind of deal. But they're a very good basketball team. Uh, they made the Elite Eight, I believe, in 2019, lost in the first round. Lincoln Memorial, they're kind of in and out there as well. Just two really good ball clubs here. It's a great 4-5 matchup. I really thought, um, kind of looking at these teams, after looking at all eight teams, I thought Mines, I thought Lincoln Memorial maybe is the third best team here, and Mines maybe the fourth. Um, so fourth or fifth. So it should be a really interesting matchup here between these two teams. Um, as I said early on, I liked Mines a little bit defensively. They allow 60 points per game, which is the best in the Elite Eights only allowing 21 field goals made and 5.6 three-pointers made against them per game. All three of those are the best in the Elite Eight. They're a very good defensive bat ball club. Lincoln Memorial, they lost 70 points per game when, when they're scoring 93 is a pretty good margin there. They should lead the NCAA Division II in margin of victory at almost 23 points per game. Um, Lincoln Memorial, they allowed about 25 field goals per game, which is fourth in the Elite Eight, and seven made three-pointers, which is third. So they're very good at limiting three-pointers as well. They're plus five on threes per game there. That's 15 points. That's a huge deal when you play their face, um, type of play where it's up-tempo. Um, and finally, Lincoln Memorial, great passing team, 22.6 assists per game, which is the best in the Elite Eight. And their turnover assist to turnover ratio is 1.5, almost 1.6, which is second only behind West Liberty in this lead eight. But Mines, their defense, I'll go on this again. They only allow 8.9 assists per game. So you're not going to get a whole lot of easy buckets against that Mines defense. That'll be an interesting matchup to kind of see where the rail splitters end up with assists in this game, if they can get some easy buckets against that Ore Diggers defense or not. And also, one reason for that. Low assist numbers, Mines averages 4.9 blocks per game, which is first in the Elite Eight. They're a great defending the rim. They do a great job of that on defense. So after looking at this matchup in depth, 
looking at some of the matchups, I'm going to go with Lincoln Memorial after looking at everything. I think they win this game and advance to the Final Four. Next game, we have West Texas A&M versus Damon. Uh, very interesting matchup here. A lot of these matchups are teams that play completely different styles. Look at West Texas A&M. They're 17-2. Damon, they're 15-10. Um, the Wildcats of Damon had a little bit of COVID issues throughout the year. Didn't get to play some of their games. Missed some guys, some other ones. So they've been kind of fitting the pieces around it a kind of bit through the season kind of goes on. But they've started to get their – they're playing their best basketball right now. And with Damon, one thing you will look at as the eighth seed is matchups. And they got a big man, which is probably the best big man left in the Elite Eight in Andrew Shishko. I hope I'm saying his name right because he's a heck of a ball player. 6'9", 240, monster on the inside. Averages 26.7 points per game, 12.8 rebounds, and a block. She's about 63, 64% from the field, about 69% from the free throw line. He was first team all-conference um, in 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. He was a freshman player of the year as a freshman. And in the last three years, he was a conference player of the year there for Damon. He's a heck of a ball player. Um, All-American second team as a sophomore. All-American first team as a junior. I'm sure he's going to be an All-American as well this year. He is a beast on the inside. He's so good. It's one thing, West Texas, they don't have a whole lot of size. Look at the roster. I think Booker, 6'6", is going to have to take the matchup with him. They do have a 6'11 guy who might they might have to throw in there. I think his last name is Brown. Might just throw a body at him a little bit just to give him a different look there because he's going to be a load on the inside there for West Texas to deal with. Another guy on team, Sean Passarillo. Um, I hope I'm saying his name right. I'm just going to say Sean. Uh, Cisco, he's number 22. Sean, he's number three. He's a 6'3 guard, averages about 14 points, seven and a half rebounds, four assists, and a steal and a half a game. She's about 47% from the field. Um, so he's a pretty good little shooter there as well, 76% from the free throw line. Um, he was first team all conference as well this year for Damon. So they have a couple of good one-two combo there for the Wildcats, but they're playing maybe the best guard duo in the nation, Division II. And I say, don't say that lightly. As you, I'll get to you in a minute with the Bearcats with Hudgens and Bernard. But Quay Grant and Joel Murray are going to give them a run for their money on this one. This is a dynamic duo, a six-foot one, a six-foot guard here for the Buffaloes. They combine for together 46 points, 15 rebounds, seven and a half assists, and almost four steals per game. Grant, um, let's see, in 2019 as a freshman, he was first-team all Lone Star Conference and the Freshman Player of the Year. 2020, he was first-team All-Conference, first-team All-Defense, and the Player of the Year, Lone Star All-Tournament Team, first-team All-American in the NABC and the D2CCA. Just a great player. This last year, he was first-team All-Conference, first-team All-Defense, and the Lone Star Tournament MVP. Um, And then Murray, they're kind of trading honors here in 2019. He was third-team All-Conference and All-Defense. 2020, he was an NABC All-American also, first-team all-conference, all-defense. In the tournament MVP this past year, he was first-team all-Lone Star, all-defense, Lone Star all-tournament team. Uh, just a great player there for them. Actually, Murray is outscoring average about 23.5 points per game, so the 22.5 for Grant. I mean, these two guys are explosive. They get to the rim. Uh, they're both shooting. See, Grant shoots about 41% from three. Murray's only down to 34%, but he shoots almost 50% from the field, so – very good players. They both shoot about 77 78% from the free throw line. They're going to be a handle for the Wildcats. I just think those two are just too much for Damon. Uh, but things to kind of look for in this game, 
Uh, turnovers and rebounding will be big for both these teams. Turnovers, West Texas, they are plus 6.7 in the turnover margin per game this year, which is the best in the Elite Eight. Damon is minus 3.5, three three uh, which is the worst in the Elite Eight. So West Texas, they take care of the ball. They take it from you, and Damon doesn't do a great job of that on their side. So that's one thing. West Texas can get some turnovers, get out in transition, and score some easy buckets uh, with that speed of Grant and Murray, among other guys there. They kind of play a positionless basketball a lot of free moving, a lot of points there for West Texas A&M. And Damon, they're plus eight rebounding margin, which is third best in the Elite Eight, only behind, I believe, Lincoln Memorial and West Liberty, who play more up-tempo than they do. So they control the boards in a slower-paced game. And West Texas is only plus 2.3 in rebounding margin due to that smaller lineup, which is the second worst in the Elite Eight. So that's just one thing to look forward to in this game, West Texas A&M. If I can pull up their stats real quick, they're averaging 92, 91 points per game, giving about 76. So that's where they're kind of at. Damon, they're scoring about 82, giving up about 74, 75. So that's about where they're at with this one. So I'm really intrigued by how this game kind of goes here uh, with this one. But I think it's, an, it's a difficult matchup for West Texas A&M because of the size of Andrew Cisco. Um, I just think that West Texas is just too good at this point. Uh, guard play wins in March, and they have two of the best in the nation on their team. So give me the Buffaloes. Again, that game's at 245, and that's the left side of the bracket so far in this one. There'll be a little bit of break after those two games are over, and then we go to the night session. Um, by the way, I think this is the tougher side of the bracket. I think West Texas, Lincoln Memorial, and Colorado Mines are three of the top four or five teams in the region. They're all on the same side over there. So very, very difficult side of the region. Then we go to the other side. Six o'clock game, number two seed, Northwest Missouri State versus West Liberty. And if you want to talk about contrasting styles, you will not see much more of a contrast than this game right here. Northwest 25 and 2, West Liberty 18 and 4. Both are regulars here, kind of in the elite at this point. Both really storied programs. West Liberty always a threat out there in the Atlantic region. Northwest here recently in the central region has kind of taken control of it a little bit here. Um, start with Northwest. It's the big three, Trevor Hudgens, Diego Bernard, and Ryan Hawkins. Maybe not in that order. You can flip them certain games, but those are the three that make Northwest kind of run the way they do. They have other good players with West Dreamer, Luke Waters, Byron Alexander played great in the regional. But those are the three right there with Hawkins, Hudgens, and Bernard that you have to watch for Northwest. Uh, we'll start with Hudgens. He's number 12, six-foot guard. He's averaging 20 points, almost four-and-a-half assists, and 1.3 steals per game. And his shooting this year has been outstanding. last two years, really. Shoots 55% from the field, 53% from the three-point line, which is the best among the guys of the Elite Eight, and almost 90% from the free-throw line. He's a bucket. You guys saw his regional winner there against Northern State. Uh, sorry, to tie it to go to overtime, where he hit that step-back three to – put the Bearcats into overtime where they eventually overtook Northern State, which might have been the national championship game in the regional final. That's how good Northern State is as well. Um, Bailey Hudgens, as a freshman, he was first team all-conference, freshman player of the year. He was all-tournament team in the MIAA, and he was the Elite Eight most outstanding player in 2019, the last time we had a tournament here in Evansville, Indiana. Hudgens played fantastic and was the most outstanding player in this tournament two years ago when Northwest won the championship as the Bearcats are technically the defending champs still. Um, last year, first team all-conference, player of the year, MIAA tournament, most outstanding player, first team all-American in the D2CCA poll. This year, 
first team all conference player of the year and the MIAA all tournament team as well. Um, he's just fantastic. Thing with Hudgens, you can never speed him up to where he didn't want to be. He's even keeled. No matter if the Bearcats are up by 15, down by 10 with two minutes to go. Doesn't matter. He's got the same expression. And he has a over my dead body, you're you're beating us in this game kind of mentality. He's great to play. You kind of he just kind of goes about his business. Obviously, you look up like, hey, he's got 22 points. He's made four of five threes. How did that happen? Well, he just doesn't miss. So he's he's not the most splashy player. He is creative in the paint. I uh, was a six-one guard. Six-foot guard. He's very creative in there. He does a great job there for the Bearcats. Also, an underrated defender. He's pretty stocky. He does a good job of um, moving his feet. And if you're going to play for Coach Mack, you got to play defense. And Hudgens is a very good defender. But then we move number 33, Ryan Hawkins, a 6'7 forward. He's averaging 22 points, 8.5 rebounds, 2.4 assists, and almost two steals per game. He shoots 53% from the field, 46% from three, and 75% from the free throw line. He's really like an 80 to 85% free throw shooter for his career. A little bit down this year in that department. But Ryan Hawkins, great player. 2019, he was second team All-MIAA, Defensive Player of the Year, and All-Defense. Last year, MIAA first team, Defensive Player of the Year, All-Defense, MIAA All-Tournament. This past year, MIAA first team, All-Defense, and MIAA All-Tournament team as well. Him and Hudgens were also named first team All-Central Region Bernard was second team, and you kind of asked there, well, if Hudgens was defense player of the year in 2019 and in 2020, why didn't he win it this year? Well, it's because his teammate Diego Bernard took it from him. This year, he was defense player of the year. Also, Bernard, he was, as a freshman, honorable mention all-conference, all-defense. Last year, third team all-MIAA, all-defense, MIAA all-tournament. This past year, second team all-conference, defensive player of the year, all-defensive team, and the MIAA all-tournament team. Diego Bernard is one of the most athletic guards I've seen in Division One. Dude, Dooley, six one, six foot, but man, he's explosive and gets after it. Not the best shooter. Uh, his percentage are up a little bit this year, shooting fifty four percent from the field, forty from three, which I didn't expect here in a couple of years ago. But he's really worked on the shot there. Seventy five percent, sorry, seventy seven percent from the free throw line. He's really improved that part of his game as well. He's just a natural athlete and just a gamer. If you're gonna watch Diego Bernard play, you're gonna enjoy watching him on the defensive end. Um, he is one of the best defensive guards I've seen in Division Two. Just a, he's gonna take it with the best player on the other team and limit him as much as he can. He does a great job with it. He can get up there. He I think he leads the Bearcats and just block shots. He's just a great player there for the Bearcats. He's the third kind of best player. And Diego Bernard's your third. You're going to be in great shape. Again, Hudgens is a junior. Bernard's a junior. And Hawkins is a senior, but he's coming back for another year doing a whole Perry Ellis thing for Northwest. Is he got that COVID year, so he's going to come back, get his finish up, get in his Masters at Northwest, and play there for next year as well. So this big three um, has this tournament and has all of next year. A team that I think last year would have won the national championship. They did win it in 2019 with the help of Joey Wittes and Ryan Welty. I think they would have won it again last year. This team is on a warpath right now. 2017, they won national championship. 2018, they lost in the first round. Their best player in the nation, Justin Pitts, got hurt in the MIAA tournament beforehand. Um, 2019, they won it. 2020, COVID happened. Now, 2021, um, I think they're the odds-on favorite this year to win it. So we'll see what happens there with the Bearcats. But they're just a very good basketball team. And, I can talk about this offense for the Bearcats. I want to. They have shooters everywhere. They all shoot a really good percentage, but it's their defense where it all starts for the Bearcats. 
But before I get too much into the Bearcats, let's go over to West Liberty and kind of see who they are going to be playing in this game. In the Bearcats, they like to play a half-court game. We're going to be more efficient. We're going to play solid defense. We're going to control the boards, and we're going to get great shots, either layups or threes on the other end. Good luck beating us at our own game. If you look at West Liberty, a little bit of a different animal. They like to press. They like to push the tempo. They average 102 points per game, and it starts with Dalton Bolin. I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, the 6'5", 6'4", guard wing kind of player form, averages almost 21.5 points per game, eight rebounds and two and a half assists, 51% from the field, 45 from three, and 91 from the free throw line. He's a very good shooter. Um, he was first-team all-commerce the last three years. Back-to-back MEC Player of the Year for him. Um, I think he's one of the few players in that conference who's ever won back-to-back Players of the Year. Very good player for him. MEC All Tournament team this year. Also, as a freshman, he was the player. He was the freshman Player of the Year in the MEC and Second Team All Conference. So he's been a heck of a player there for West Liberty in the Hilltoppers. Another great mascot um, so far in his career there for them. Um, Pat Robinson, six-three guard. He averages about twenty and a half points per game, four rebounds, two and a half assists. Shoots 54 from the field, about 38 from three, and 76 from the free throw line. Uh, first team all-conference this year, second team all-conference last year, MEC all-tournament both years. Uh, very good athlete for them as well. And Luke Dyer, 5'11 guard, average about five points, 4.2 ass- assists, and 2.2 steals per game. Nothing flashy on him, but he's a four-year starter. I'm very curious to see how he does controlling the pace there for Northwest. Northwest has some really intense guard play on defense. Uh, there, I would kind of want to see his matchup there with a little more athletic guys there with the Bearcats, with Hudgens, Bernard, and even Alexander off the bench. How that's going to kind of work there. He's a four-year starter, honorable mention this year, 42% from the field, 34 from three. Doesn't shoot great from the free throw line, though. Not a whole lot of attempts there for him either there, so I won't even say what his percentage is there. But West Liberty, it's more than just these three guys. I didn't want to list their whole roster. They have a lot of guys who are scoring between like nine to 12 points per game. Um they're a team, and one of their best players, Willie Yoakum, I think his name is, um, got hurt after about 12 games this year. He would have been one of their top three or four players this year, uh, maybe their best player. So they're going to miss him. Big loss for them. They've made it this far without him. They're a team that's going to go 9-10 to deep. They're going to press for 40 minutes. They're going to try to wear you out, playing full court, just kind of being – not even getting steals the whole time, just being annoying and in your face a little bit for 40 minutes, try to wear your legs out so you can't shoot as well. And it's worked out for them over the last so many years there with their coach. They're a very good, well-coached ball club that just gives you issues if you're not used to seeing the press. The Bearcats aren't really. They've had some success in the Elite Eight against it. Mercyhurst a couple years ago did give them a a pretty good run there in the Elite Eight. Uh, They played Fairmont State in the championship game in 2017, Lincoln Memorial in in, in the semifinals, Final Four, as well that year, and they were able to handle the press then. And one thing that's you need handling the press is good guard play. With Hudgens, Bernard, Hawkins, I think the Bearcats will be fine handling that pressure a little bit there, getting open looks if they need to in transition. They don't want to run with West Liberty, but if they have to, I think they can a little bit there with the athletes they have. The Bearcats aren't deep, though. They only go six, maybe seven and a half-ish deep on their roster, so that's one thing to keep an eye on. They're in really good shape there, and it really hadn't been an issue all year with them in uh, minutes getting tired there late in games. Um, Hudgens and Hawkins rarely come off the floor for the Bearcats. Bernard, only if he gets in foul trouble kind of deal for them. So, But pace of play, West Liberty said earlier, 102 points per game, which is the best in the Elite Eight. 
they're also number one in field goals made per game, 37. Uh, free throws made per game, 17. 9.3 steals per game. They're second in assists at 18 and a half. And they're third in three-pointers made with 11 per game. The Bearcats, they still score 83 points per game, so they can score some points. They're fourth best in the Elite Eight. 28 field goals per game, which is sixth. They average 10.7 three-pointers made, which is fourth. 15 free throws per game, which is third. 14.2 assists, which is sixth. And seven steals per game, which is about sixth in the Elite Eight as well. So a slower-paced action there for the Bearcats. But if you kind of use their numbers on number of possessions, it looks a lot more, a lot better, a lot more efficient there for the Bearcats. They want to play efficient basketball for 40 minutes, not just breakneck fast. So two definitely contrasting styles. Uh, but defense is where the big uh, differentiation factor is here. West Liberty, they allow almost 80 points per game, which is eighth best in the Elite Eight. But, again, winning by almost 20 points per game is just the way they play, you're going to give up points. Um, 27 field goals allowed per game, which is last, and there's seven three-pointers made against them, which is fourth. So not bad. They're decent defending three-point line for as much as they run a little bit. Uh, the Bearcats allow 65.9 points per game, which is second best, only behind mines. Only 24 made field goals which is third best, and they're second best in defending the three-point line. Only 6.3 three-pointers allowed per game. And then efficiency. This is where the Bearcats really stand out. 53% as a team from the field, which is first. 42% from the three-point line, almost 43%, which is first in the Elite Eight. An 80% free-throw shooting team, only 10.9 turnovers per game. And their third in assist-to-turnover ratio at 1.3 assist-to-turnovers per game. They're going to slow things down, not turn the ball over, shoot a high percentage, and make you make tough shots on the other end against them. It's a winning formula for Ben McCollum and the Bearcats. They've used it the last five years, and it's going to continue there for them. West Liberty, they shoot, I mean, almost 50% from the field, 37% from three, which is the second worst in the region, in the in the Elite Eight. Um, four, 75% from the free throw line, which is fourth. Uh, turn the ball over about 11, 12 times a game, which isn't terrible with the pace they play at. And their first in assist turnover and almost 1.6 assist to turnovers per game. And kind of looking at everything, I think the Bearcats are able to slow this game down. I think they beat West Liberty, but West Liberty is a difficult matchup for them. Kind of like with West Texas A&M and Damon, it's just a tough matchup for the Bearcats. I think they win the game with their style of play. I think, I think it's easier to slow the game down than it is for the West Liberty to speed it up a little bit. So give me the Bearcats in this one. I think it could be a little higher scoring than the Bearcats would like. The game getting almost into the 80s, but not into the 90s slash 100s, which West Texas, which, which West Liberty kind of wants in this matchup. But it should be a great game here. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to take a quick break and come back with the final matchup, which will start at 8.45 on Wednesday. All right, and now the 8.45 game, the last game of the Elite Eight, is Truman State, the sixth seed versus the three-seed Flagler. Um, let me get this pulled up. Flagler, they're 17-2 on the year. Truman is 20-2. and two. Um And I'm probably going to butcher these names, but just bear with me. Flagler, four players to kind of watch for them. Jacek Lotzi, Chris Metzler, Derek Ellis Jr., and Jalen Barr. Uh, first, Lotzi, 6'2 guard, averages 24.7 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, about five assists, and almost two steals a game. Um, from 2017-18 to the 2020 season, he was at Arkansas Little Rock, transferred to Flagler. Uh, this year he was the Peach Belt Conference first team all-conference, tournament MVP, and player of the year Definitely a little spark plug to that program there as they won their first 
um, outright conference title, I believe there, maybe their first tournament title as well. Flagler definitely did a great basketball this year in the Peach Belt Conference. Um, Metzler, 6'7", forward. He's number 15 on the floor. He was second-team all-conference this year, averaged about 12 points per game and six rebounds per game. Shoots 73% from the field, only 40% from the free throw line, though. So a guy that's really close to the basket, makes a lot of close shots inside, is not a great free throw shooter, though. So one thing to look forward to in that game. Uh, Ellis Jr., number one, he's 5'11 guard, averages about 10 points, four and a half assists at 1.3 steals per game. Not a great shooter, only 31% from the three-point line and 42% from the field, but is a pesky defensive player. He was third team on conference this year. And you might remember him if you're a Bearcat fan, actually, because he was on that Mercyhurst team back in 2018-19 that played in the Elite Eight in 2019 and lost to the Bearcats um, there. So that's one thing you might remember for him. He scored eight points in that game, was uh, one of their pesky kind of defenders there for him. So definitely a guy with some experience you don't usually see from a team with so little experience like Flagler. It, running going deep in the playoffs to have a guy like this who's been here before is huge for them. And then Jalen Barr, number 23, 6'4", kind of a wing player for him, averages about 10 points, almost eight rebounds, 1.6 assists, and 1.5 blocks per game. Shoots 49% from the field, under 30% from the three-point line, under 50% from the free-throw line. Just not a good shooter, but he's explosive. He's athletic. Um, Third-team all-conference and was our defensive player of the year in the conference as well. Someone I was going to off, leave off at first, but one player that I think you're going to notice defensively there for Flagler, which is a big reason why they're so good, is because on defense they really tighten things up, and that's how they've been able to win some of these games here down the stretch. They're not an explosive offensive team, but they're a really good defensive athletic team on that end of the court. You look at Truman State. It's the second of the Missouri teams in the Elite Eight, 20-2 on the year. Um, I actually have five guys listed here because they really don't have that one like go-to player you see there. They have a bunch of guys who just chip in. So I'm going to go through these quickly. Caden McKnight, Dylan Peters, Turner Scott, Elijah Hayescamp, and Mason Miller. First, McKnight, he's been born number 40. 6'9 forward, averaged about 17 points per game, five rebounds, and two assists. 52% from the field, 84% from the free throw line, so a good shooting big on the from the line. 31% from the three-point line, so he can shoot a bit on the outside, but it's not something you should be living and dying by. Um, last three years, as a freshman in 2019, he was second-team all-conference in the GLVC. All-freshman team and the freshman player of the year. 2020, second-team all-conference, and he was on the all-tournament team. And this past year, he was first-team all-conference and the player of the year in the GLVC. Number four, Dylan Peters, the 6'8 forward. He averages about 12.5 points per game and nine rebounds and one block per game. She's about 55% from the field and about 68% from the free-throw line. He was second-team GLVC this year for him. Just another big body they have in there that they're going to try to throw at Flagler. Uh, their point guard, Scott Turner, Scott, 5'10". He's number 10 on the court as well. Averages 12 points, almost six assists per game, which is the best in the Elite Eight. Uh, 1.2 steals. Good shooter as well, 49% from the field, 43 from three, and 77 from the free throw line. First team all-conference this year. He's a four-year starter at point guard. Really about three and three-quarter year, but I'm going to give him that freshman year. He's parted uh, all but like four. Like the first six games a year, he didn't start, but after that he's been the starter at point guard for the Bulldogs. Uh, so very heady player for them. He's going to kind of set the offense up and really distribute other guys to get them going. And he's a good enough shooter to make you pay if you leave him alone. Um, Hayes Camp, 6'5", wing for him. He averages about 11 points, 
seven and a half rebounds and 1.7 steals per game. Good shooter as well. 48 from the field, 45 from three, 91 from the free throw line. Um, he was actually in North Dakota in 2019, and he redshirted last year. And then Mason Miller, a guy who I was going to leave off here, he's number 12, um, little guard for him, averaged 11 points per game, shooting 44, 43, 83 splits uh, for Truman State. But he was a GLVC player, freshman of the player of the year, and all defense for Truman. So another really good defender for Truman State they're going to need on the outside to help deal with um, Lottie for Flagler. So that was an interesting guy that wanted to throw in there at the last minute there since he was on the all-defensive team and was a freshman player of the year. Someone to really mention who could make an impact as a young player um, in this Elite Eight. A um, couple of the big factors in this game you might want to look for to rebounding. Truman State is plus 5.5 in rebound margin, which is the fifth best in the Elite Eight. Flagler is dead last getting out-rebounded, actually, by 1.3 rebounds per game. Not a good rebounding team uh, for Flagler for them. But defensively, I think this is going to be the lowest-scoring game of the four for the Elite Eight. Flagler, they allow about 68.5 points per game, which is fourth best in the Elite Eight, um, allowing under 40% field goals, uh, three-point field goal percentage, which is second-best in the Elite Eight. Only eight threes allowed per game, which is actually the worst in the Elite Eight. These, all, eight, these, all eight of these teams do a good job of limiting your three-point uh, makes, but they are the worst of the eight teams here about doing it. Uh, 31% from the three-point line. Sorry, it was under 40% from the free, from the field uh, there on the year. Their second in steals, eight steals per game. Very active hands there for the Saints. Their third in blocks, three and a half blocks per game. And their third in forcing turnovers, 16 and a half turnovers forced per game for Truman. They allow about 68 points per game, which is the third best in the Elite Eight. Uh, field goal percentage, only 44% allowed, which is fourth. 7.7 three-pointers made, which is sixth best in the Elite Eight. But as I said earlier, most teams are between six and eight three-pointers allowed per game. Pretty even there. 36% allowed from the three-point line, which is the worst. They're the worst team to defend the three-point line in the Elite Eight. So something to look forward to if they play the Bearcats in the next round. Uh, you're playing a team that's shooting 40-some percent from the three-point line. You're not good at defending three-point line. Not a great uh, matchup there for the Final Four, possibly for the Bulldogs, but we'll see if they get there first. Uh, 1.7 blocks, which is the worst, and the only force 11.3 turnovers per game, which is also the worst in the Elite Eight. But Flagler is the worst shooting team at the Elite Eight, only shooting 48% from the field, 37% from three, and 63% from the free throw line. Truman State is the second-best shooting team here, maybe the third, um, as they're shooting about 50% from the field about 40% from the three-point line and 78% from the free-throw line, which is third, third, and second. Uh, the first two behind Northwest and Lincoln Memorial, the last one just behind Northwest. They're shooting-wise. So Truman State, a very good shooting team, uh, good at controlling the rebounds. I just – this game's weird. I don't understand exactly after looking at the stats of why Flagler is the three-seed. Um, I know they're really good defensively, but they get out-rebounded. They don't shoot the ball particularly well. I don't think they're a team that translates to a lot of wins here when we get to the best eight teams in the nation. Um, I think I said this on Twitter earlier this week, but if I had to re-rank these teams, um, I would probably go Northwest, Lincoln Memorial, West Texas A&M, I think it said Mines, West Liberty at the five, Truman the six, Flagler the seven, and then Damon the eight is how I would have ranked these eight teams after looking deep into the stats, 
the matchups for each team and how they kind of match up with each other. That's how I would power rank the tape lost eight teams with the, I think the first three teams with Northwest, West Texas and Lincoln Memorial being a very close bunch there. Um, just the way they play kind of deal. Just kind of the, the explosiveness between the guard play and the athleticism both teams have. I think that kind of separates them from everybody else in this field a little bit with Mines and Lincoln West Liberty kind of being that next little bundle. And then below that, the last three teams with Truman, Flagler, and Damon just kind of being at the bottom of the list there. Uh, so I will take Truman over Flagler on this one. At a seven, all Missouri side of the final four. So my final four teams here is West Texas A&M, Lincoln Memorial, Northwest Missouri State, and Truman State. Um, I don't know if I'll do one of these after the f- first game's Elite Eight. It'll be kind of late there, but I might anyways, because why not? Um, and it could, for course, all the Elite Eight games will be on the NCAA.com, so you'll be able to watch them there. Uh, the final four games will be, I think, on the NCAA.com, but also on the CBS Sports Network and the championship game will actually be on CBS. So something to look forward to again, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday is the format for this uh, tournament. Um, so yeah, that's what I have here. So I got West Texas versus Lincoln Memorial, Northwest versus uh, Truman State. Um, I think Northwest beats Truman and gets to the championship game. And then I went back and forth on West Texas versus Lincoln Memorial. I'm going to, I know I put Lincoln Memorial ahead from the power rankings, but I think West Texas beats them just because I want to see Quay Grant and Joel Murray versus Hudgens, Bernard, and Hawkins in the championship game. I just want to see that matchup because I think it's you have two of the best guards in the nation on each team going at it. Should be a blast for 40 minutes. That's just my dream matchup for this final for this championship game is to see West Texas A&M take on the Bearcats. Um, so that's what I kind of want to see here um, in this game and kind of what I'm rooting for. Um, in this Elite Eight, but it should be a lot of fun. Again, uh, Lincoln Memorial versus Colorado Mines Wednesday at noon. West Texas A&M versus Damon at 2.45 on Wednesday. 6 o'clock is Northwest Missouri State versus West Liberty. And then the last game, Truman State versus Flagler. That game is at 8.45. All these times are central there for this Elite Eight. Um, best games, I'm going to go here. I think the best game is going to be Lincoln Memorial versus Colorado Mines. Um, then I'd probably go Northwest versus West Liberty, West Texas versus Damon, and then the final game that's probably the least intrigue because I don't think either team has a chance to win the championship would be uh, Flagler versus Truman State. Um, just two of the, I think, the lower teams here in this Elite Eight. Um, so, yeah, and – if you're the Bearcats, I know you probably wanted the one seed to where your whites in the championship came kind of deal. But I love them as a two seed here because if you look at the draw they have, I think the three of the next best teams in the bracket are on the other side of the bracket with West Texas, Mines, and Lincoln Memorial with two of the best teams to be absolutely on the other side. They're going to be able to knock each other out a little bit. I think they, they beat West Liberty. That'll be their toughest matchup on their side of the bracket just because style-wise it's a weird fight for them. So I like the Bearcats against West Liberty, and like them to roll in the Final Four game before they get to the championship game and play a very good team there in the championship, whether it's West Texas, Lincoln Memorial, or Mines. Uh, if it's Colorado Mines, maybe the first to 60 wins that game. There's going to be a bloodbath just defensively there. Um, the other two games could be a lot of fun there as well for the Bearcats. Either a rematch versus Lincoln Memorial that you had in 2017 Final Four, or West Texas A&M, who has uh, one of the best guard combos and actually rival Northwest in guard play, which they don't get a whole lot I thought the nation because not many players are as good as Hudgens and Bernard. There's a combo for the Bearcats. So 
that's what I have for the Elite Eight. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, a lot of a lot of research went into that, but I also shared some stuff on Twitter. So if you follow me on Twitter at Devin Albertson, I posted the spreadsheets I had for the rankings, whether it's uh, team rankings and individual. So like the leading scorer, uh, Cisco for Damon, he's averaging 26 and a half. But also you see the top five in Lottie from Flagler, Grant and Murray from West Texas, and Ryan Hawkins from Northwest are top five in uh, points. Um, so I have top 15 for points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage going into lead eight um, from the field of the late eight teams. Top 15 guys in each um, one, including minimum attempts for the field goal, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage as well, because I didn't want guys who had shot 20 times this year. Like, oh, we're 80%. Yeah, you haven't shot enough to qualify. So I want to make sure we – had a big enough sample size for them to count for that. So a lot of really good players here. The Elite Eight is a lot of fun here for Division Two. I love the Division Two tournaments. I think you have some really good players who a lot of these guys, whether it's Grant, Murray, Hudgens, Hawkins, Lottie, who played D1 ball, a lot of these guys could play lower level, at least mid-major D1, if not higher, that are in D2 and are balling out. So it should be a lot of fun here, a lot of well-coached teams in this one. I think I shared this um, earlier. Uh, wins for each one of these coaches. Uh, Damon, actually Mike McDonald, has 139 wins at Damon, almost 400 overall, seven years at Damon, eight years at a D3 school, and nine years at Kans- uh, a D1 school, Canisius. I hope I said that right. I, said that right. I don't know that name. Um, Colorado Mine, Prior Orser, he's got 379 wins in 20 years at Colorado Mines, 200 losses. Uh, Lake Memorial, Josh Schertz, 336 and 68 in 13 years at, Mo- at Memorial. Heck of a coach over there. He's built a nice program there for the rail splitters. Uh, ben McCollum for Northwest. Um, he's at 297 wins, 77 losses in 12 years at Northwest. Uh, so if the Bearcats win the championship, he'll get his win number 300 while winning his third national championship in five years for the Bearcats. Uh, Flagler, Chad Warner. Um 204 overall wins for his career. He was eight years at Shorter when they were NAIA. He's actually 48 and 45 at Shorter in his four year at Flagler in his four years there. Um, but he's really turned that program around a little bit and made it more relevant there. Uh, West Texas A&M, Tom Brown, 179 and 42 in seven years at West Texas. Uh, before he was an assistant coach at Winona. I had that wrong on Twitter before. He was the lead assistant there whenever they went to with a three or straight, three or four straight national championship games, winning a couple there uh, for the Warriors of Winona. Um, West Liberty, Ben Hallett, uh, only four years at West Liberty, already has 99 wins and only 17 losses. Um, he's really picked that program up when it was already really good and kept it going, which is another hard thing to do to replace a really good coach and keep that winning going shows, first of all, how good that program is, but how good of a coach he is to keep that program uh, where it needed to be there for the Hilltoppers. And Truman State, Jeff Horner, 57 and 25 in just four years at Truman State. Already has him in the Elite Eight. Uh, pretty impressive there for him as well. But this should be a really fun game. A lot of good coaches, a lot of great players. Um, so everyone be safe. Evansville, Indiana for the Elite Eight. Again, noon, 245, 6, and 845 for the Elite Eight games. Have fun. Hope you guys listen to all 45 minutes to this. If so, you are a real trooper. Thanks for listening, and um, everyone have fun at the Elite Eight. Devin, signing off.